0: Pastor Xavier Ruiz, and the simple truths of not just loving in word, but also in deed. The ultimate goal of every believer is his or her witness.
1: Listen, to Christ, then for Christ. Seeking the will of God, let it be my motive. Desiring that Jesus get all the glory. Acts 1.8 And you should be witnesses
0: to me. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. We'll use a phrase like, why bump your head on the same old rock? To convey the message, there's got to be a better way. And that was pretty much the sentiment that Paul was communicating to the Corinthian church, whose misguided method for settling disputes among themselves was not only unwise, but providing a poor witness for Christ to the Gentiles there. Let's rejoin Pastor Xavier for a simple truth study he's titled, Christians and Worldly Courts.
1: Paul has just finished rebuking the Corinthians for their arrogant pride, for believing they were spiritual, when in reality they were carnal, unable, as well as unwilling to declare judgment over that young man that was sleeping with his stepmother. Now Paul moves on to address the failure of the Corinthians to judge various matters of life between themselves, but instead they were taking each other to the pagan courts. And so the failure of the Corinthians to litigate against each other before the pagan courts is given to us here and is characterized by three things here in verse 1 through 11. First, verse 1 through 3, the confrontation regarding their lawsuits. Notice in verse 1, the apostle Paul pronounced the indictment against the Corinthians as a prosecuting attorney. He takes the role now. The court is the heavenly court. Paul proclaimed his amazement at the Corinthians over their lack of hesitation and indifference to go to court against one another. Listen to the words. There any of you? The Corinthians were filled with pride thinking they were spiritual, remember. And the idea here is that they were bold in their arrogance. Listen to his words. Having a matter against another, go to law before the unrighteous. The dilemma is stated here. Having a matter against another. The word matter simply means what is done or being done. The action being taken was the taking of another believer to the law court. These judges were not born again and would not be judging their cases according to God's standards and righteousness. Paul indicated the proper solution, notice, and not before the saints. The saints comprised the community of God's redeemed, what you and I are, who were born again. The saints were those who understood forgiveness, mercy, the love of God. The saints were to be arbitrators rather than the pagan courts on things pertaining to life. They should have settled their issues within the church. They should have never gone to the pagan courts. In verse 4 through 6, the apostle Paul reprimands them for being unwise in going to secular courts. So the focus is wisdom. Paul's argument in verse 4 is from the logical conclusion that they are better equipped to judge the matter of the saints in view of the future privilege of judging the world and angels. Follow the progression. Listen to his words. If then you have judgments concerning things pertaining to this life, do you appoint those who are least esteemed by the church to judge? The answer is no. You do not put unwise people to solve the problems of believers. You put the wisest men to judge the matters pertaining to the life of the saints to bring scriptural resolution and spiritual benefit to their lives. Then in 7 and 8, the apostle Paul rebuked the Corinthians for their bad witness. Paul gave them biblical advice in view of their litigations. Don't miss it. The innocent person could accept the injustice being done to him. Why do you not rather accept wrong? That's one advice. The innocent person could suffer financial robbery. This is the second one. Listen, why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? In other words, the loss of time is better than the bad spiritual example, even as Jesus spoke on the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5, 38 through 40, and all the whole section there. In other words, for the sake of Christ, rather than shaming Christ, don't contest it. Those are the two options of advice. In verse 8, Paul exposed their true heart of greed by their action in their litigation. So, from verse 7 there... This is the aspect. Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? But then he says, no, you yourselves do wrong. Cheat. And you do these things to your brethren. He nails them. And as they say, well, you know, you could just let it go. You could just suffer the law And they go, oh, no, but you don't. You. They were actively being unjust in their present litigations against other brothers. So Paul exposed their evil heart here. Their hate, their jealousy, their envy, their greed, their injustice. They live just like they did before, looking out for self without any concern for others. Listen to Ephesians four seventeen through 24. Paul says, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Because of the blindness of their hearts, who, being past feelings, have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness, with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have learned him, uh, heard him, and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct. You still have sin nature as a Christian. Did you put off that former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful love, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you may put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. The believer has to make the personal decision on the matter of litigation. Searching the scriptures that God would direct him or her prayerfully that God would speak to him or her humbly being open to accept the injustice or suffer the loss in robbery if God so leads him or her 1st John 3:18 says my little children let us not love in word or in tongue but in deed and in truth the ultimate goal of every believer is his or her witness. Listen to Christ, then for Christ. We usually for well, I'll, 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 it's a witness for no. First is the vertical to Christ, then the horizontal. Seeking the will of God, wanting to honor Jesus, yielding to the love of God that it be my motive. Asking for the wisdom of God to guide me, desiring that Jesus. Get all the glory. Again, Acts 1.8, the words of Jesus. He gives you the vertical first before the horizontal. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me, vertical, in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and the ends of the earth. The vertical, then the horizontal. Very important. He sees my heart. He sees where I'm at. But I can't just say, well, God sees my heart and I'm acting contrary to Scripture. Not a Christians do that. Well, I've sought the Lord and I know... Shut up. That's not the other confusion. If your actions are contrary to the Word of God, God hasn't spoken to you. Probably the worst person that can speak to you has spoken to you. You. <laughs> the repudiation regarding their losses reveal their lack of what? Wisdom. Notice thirdly, 9 through 11. The caution regarding their lawsuits. The Apostle Paul warned the Corinthians about living contrary to what they knew about the kingdom of God. Paul reminded them of what they already knew. Listen again. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. This is the third time Paul says, do you not know? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world, verse two. Do you not know that we shall judge angels," verse three? The word "know" is, again, intuitive for the third time. You know that as a Christian, you can see yourself as a parent telling your child, "Do you not know? did I not say to you? Did I not make it clear?" Of course. The rhetorical question has an obvious answer. Yes. The righteous or the unrighteous person will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those not born again. Those who would go back and live contrary to Christ. The kingdom of God is the reign of God in the heart of men and women through the transforming work of the Holy Spirit of God. The kingdom of God is present and yet to come in its full form in the second coming, the millennial kingdom, as we said. Notice Paul reminded them of the greater deception. You ready? Self-deception. The sin can deceive you. That's understandable. That the world can deceive you. That's understandable. The sin can deceive you. That's understandable. But that you deceive yourself, that's the worst deception. Because you do it to yourself. Do not be deceived. The warning is now applied to every Corinthian. The word deceive, planau, means to cast astray, to go aside from the right way, to wander, to roam, or go astray. The word planau gives us a word for planets wandering off course. (laughs) Literally, stop deceiving. Yourselves. The word is used often to warn believers. Let me give you a few. James five nineteen through twenty says this: Brethren, talking to Christians, if anyone among you, another Christian, wanders planao from the truth, and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the air of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Wow. 1 John 3, 7. Little children, let no one deceive you, planao. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. If Christians cannot be planao, deceive, why warn them? Do you warn your children about things that can't happen? Did you want to make sure that you don't take out the moon shuttle and, and take off today to school in it. Well, that would be stupid. It's not a possibility. You're warned about things that are possible and real. Notice the middle of 9 there on down to 10. Then the apostle enumerates a list of sins that were going on The last was the sin, by the way, that they were guilty of committing. He nails them like in a prosecuting attorney. Boom, 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 boom. Then they all say, oh, I don't do that. But then, boom, nails them. The sexual sins come first. No fornicator. A person prostituting his body with another, having illicit sexual intercourse. Usually being single... But the word is very broad, dealing with every sort of sexual activity. We get our word pornography from it. No idolaters, the worship of false god, often through idols. By the way, the Ten Commandments can be found in Exodus 20 and in Deuteronomy 5, both places. No adulterers means sex with one who is not your husband or wife. No homosexuals. The word denotes a passive and submissive role, at times translated effeminate. Because when you have homosexuals, one's got to play the other role. This is the, the passive, the feminine one. No sodomites represents men who initiate homosexual practices, the one playing the aggressive and the masculine role. So he's very particular in the description. Then comes the sense of material possessions, physical and verbal abuse. No thieves, embezzlers, or pilfers. We get our word kleptomaniac from it. No covetous. One eager to have more of what belongs to others. No drunkards. Means one who is intoxicated with alcohol. We don't need to explain that. No revilers means one who is abusive through anger, insulting, brash mouth. No extortioners. He nails them here. means robbers. This was the charge. So, they're going down the list. They're saying, no, 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 not us. And then he says, no extortioners. They go, oh, this was the charge. Look at verse 8. No, you yourselves do wrong and cheat, rob, and you do these things to your brethren. He nails them here, the 10th commandment. That should not cover your neighbor's wife, house, donkey, milk duds, gummy bears, everything else. Notice the list is sandwiched by the declarative statement for emphasis, will not inherit the kingdom of God, beginning of 9, the end of 10. Everything in between will not inherit the kingdom of God. And you can keep the list going, ladies and gentlemen. And he's talking to Christians. Look at 11. The Apostle Paul reminded the Corinthians that God had saved them out of this kind of sinful lifestyle. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Notice Paul declared that some of them came from this list in their past life before Christ. Such were some of you, notwithstanding. Notwithstanding, he says there in verse 11, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified. Human courts and judges fail in various degrees depending on where they function, the system of law, and be it... um, a republic, be it a democracy, be it an oligarchy, whatever it may be. Some are better than others, but none of them are perfect. We're here on earth. But the court and the judge in heaven will make no mistake. He will judge righteously and in truth. Listen to Colossians 121 through23, and you who once were enlightened or I'm sorry, were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled you in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless above reproach in his sight. Listen, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under the heaven of which I, Paul, became a minister... What is it that we don't understand? It's real clear. We all fall short at times. And as we confess our sins, He is faithful, just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1 9. And in 1 John 2 1, we have a Lord for the defense, Jesus Christ the righteous, to make intercession for us. He's a prosecuting attorney to keep us in fellowship. We agree with Him when we fall short. We're not talking about backsliding, because some people backslide and some come back, but not all come back, all right? So we're not talking about just failing. We're not talking about a period of backsliding, though it's dangerous because you might just slide all the way down. We're talking about falling into sin, not dealing with it, which moves you into backsliding, And continuing backsliding till you go back into the world and you never repent and come back. That's what the Bible teaches. Okay? Listen to 2 Peter 2 18 through 20. It says, For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness. Listen carefully. The ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. That's a Christian. You cannot escape life of error if you're not a Christian. It says, those who actually escape, while they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. Now listen carefully. For if after... They have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They again entangle in them and overcome the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. That's a believer. You can't apply that to a non-believer. Again, what is it that we don't understand? Anyone who goes back to live as a habit of life in any of the sins that Paul has named here as well as others. There's a previous list similar to that in chapter 5. Will not inherit the kingdom of God. Listen to Hebrews 6, 4 through 6. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away... The Greek says this, having fallen away, perfect. Not F conditional, a fact. Having fallen away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again to themselves the Son of God and put Him to an open shame. The impossibility of renewing these, he's talking to Hebrews who are going back to animal sacrifices. It's impossible to renew them again to atone for their sins under the animal sacrifices. They were going back. If they returned and then said, I made a mistake, Jesus is the Lord, and they repented, would he accept them? Of course. But there's no more value in atonement than in the old sacrifice of the law. He's writing to Hebrews. Having fallen away. Not If. Chapter 10 of Hebrews, verse 26 to 31. For if we sin, we, Christians, he includes himself, willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation, which will devour the adversaries. Now he gives the illustration. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. The lesson now is from the lesser to the greater. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will be will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, was sanctified, a common thing, insulted the spirit of grace, for we know him who says, Vengeance is mine, our base saith the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge. Listen, his people believer it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God once again what is it that we don't understand it's very clear people say oh well you know right there where it says you have tasted and partaken they just tasted in the mouth they weren't really born again really it's not what the text says leave your stupid logic out the caution regarding their lawsuits reveal their need of repentance that's what Paul is calling for from believers the failure of the Corinthians to litigate against each other before the pagan courts is laid out for us here the confrontation regarding their losses reveal their carnality the repudiation regarding their losses reveal their lack of wisdom the caution regarding their losses reveal their need of repentance I tell you this stuff is needed today in the Church, very much so, ladies and gentlemen. And for us to shun it and to explain it away and say, well, it's different today. What a charge it is to us.
0: Pastor Xavier Rees illustrating with the believers at Corinth the ever-eternal wisdom inherent in the simple truths of God's Word. Now you can request a copy of your own of today's timely study titled, Christians and Worldly Courts. It's available on CD for just $4. And we'll be including everything Pastor Rick Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. The title to ask for once again is Christians and Worldly Courts. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800 926 1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address, once again, is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please don't forget to include the call letters of this station when you contact us. The fact that advertisers have found a place for sex in their ads may not be news to anyone, but... Did you know that God, the Creator, also has a place for intimacy? Be sure and tune in next time when Pastor Xavier Reese discusses the divine provisions for sex and marriage, right here on Simple Truths. Hope to see you then. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California